This month's Star Trek Monthly Monday is sponsored by Spy Boy from Sydney, Australia. Spy Boy says, Hi guys, I would like to sponsor the next Star Trek Monthly Monday show. The only message I have is the one below. Thanks, Chris and Scott, for <clears throat> one of the best podcasts around. You guys are great to listen to, and I just wanted to show my appreciation. Your Star Trek Monthly Monday is the <clears throat> best Trek podcast around, and all your shows keep the train ride to work entertaining. Thanks again, and keep up the fantastic work. Thank you, Spy Boy. And now, on to the show. Brought to you by Spyboy. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Did we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hi, and welcome back to Two True Freaks, Star Trek Monthly Monday number 30, and this is the Next Generation 1701D edition. D is in, damn it, Jim, Two True Freaks ain't the best podcast on Star Trek on the internet, I'll eat my disco Starfleet uniform. <laughs> How do you like that? And I chuckling like that. in the background is my co-host, Scott Gardner. Hi. Who, uh, yes, and yes, we will acknowledge that this is the best Star Trek podcast in the in the known universe on subspace frequencies or whatever the hell you want to talk about <laughs> and yes we we have been actually paid that compliment um several times by by several people not us and yeah people are not us that. 
I, and, and not related to us. I, I appreciate this very much. It's it's very flattering, and uh, thank you very much. And I, I I can't say as I don't agree with you because <laughs> you know I listen to some of those other shows. So, I, but thank you. It's 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 very kind. And uh, I just want to say real quick. I, I hope this doesn't come up as uh, as too much of a scolding or whatever or chiding. But right, I do want to slightly chide our listeners because I have noticed. Um, looking at our numbers from when we did the split you know we recently split the show right down the middle so that we have one independent star trek monthly monday show that is uh covering tos the original series and then we have this one that covers uh the next generation era and i have noticed that the numbers are significantly higher on the next generation one as we kind of expected they would be however if you're a star trek fan and you're not listening to the original series episode, uh, I implore you to uh, check it out because uh, we just finished recording this month's TOS episode. And uh, I must say, I think we have a real winner on our hands. I enjoyed recording it. Can't wait to hear it uh, in its well, final edited version. And uh, in those, those original series episodes, that's where we really get into the dirty stuff too. That's where <laughs> our, the podcasts are a lot raunchier and, and dirtier and have a lot more nudity, even though it's a podcast. Why well, I'm naked at the moment, but anyway, you know, I, I I hate to I hate to really get down on our listeners, but God damn it, people, do you really think I have nothing better to do on a Tuesday night at two o eight a.m. than sit here and do this shit for you not to listen to it? All right, so I don't have anything better to do on a Tuesday <laughs> yeah, night at exactly. 2 a.m. than you know, but that's not really the point. The point is you should listen because you know we 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 bring our A game for this shit or something stupid like that. But huh? <laughs> What'd you just say? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was I was cleaning my toenails out. I got distracted. Close that window where you're surfing porn and pay attention to the show. Damn it. Window. <laughs> Dude, I'm so smart, I can surf, like, five different porn channels at the same time. Not while I'm talking to you, you can't. Oh, I'm playing a game of chess with some guy in the Ukraine, too. (laughs) You see what I gotta work with. (laughs) Alright, so... Yes, we've got two nice episodes of Star Uh Trek The Next Generation this, this month, as usual. We do, we do, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this because uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. We have two solid episodes to talk about here, so let's go ahead and dig right in. I I don't know about you, I got nothing as far as TNG news or anything like that. So, um, all right. So the first one is coming of age. Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Bring that ship back at once. I've lost power. The captain struggles to save a runaway shuttlecraft. May you all do your best. And Wesley meets the ultimate Starfleet test. We're gonna start! Come on! Now, both face the toughest challenge of their lives. Pull up hard! Six seconds to impact. I'm gonna crash. On Star Trek, the next generation. Which aired the week of March 14th. 1988. What were we doing March 14th, 1988? I have no idea where what where where was I and what I was doing. I was in college by then. March? Yeah. 
No clue. I was on my way to college. I was in the Air Force, but that's about all I could tell you. Very, They're very vague. Anyway, coming of age. As Wesley prepares to beam down to Relva 7 to take his long-awaited entrance exam. God, I can't talk to that. Entrance exam to Starfleet Academy. Picard's old friend, Admiral Quinn, beams up for a surprise uh, for surprise business that he won't explain. He's a, tough- a medicine woman, isn't he? <laughs> A tough interrogation of the captain's senior officers. Meanwhile, Wes consoles his friend Jake. Uh, yes, he does. And I have to say, in that sweater, that's a very, very gay scene. I'm sorry, but it just is. D- did you notice that right at the beginning of the episode, that scene between him and his friend? Yeah. There were some def- definite overtones to that whole scene that I That's not just how they are in the future. They're I, like the French. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Send your hate mail, too. All right, so anyway, Wes consoles his friend Jake, who didn't make the final cut. Co- oh, that sucks. And begins his grueling challenge while meeting the other candidates. He's in a neck-and-neck race for the single academy slot open, and he's nervous about the infamous psych test. Picard, along with Riker and the crew, grow increasingly bitter over the demeanor of Remick, Quinn's probing aid. And the Admiral won't talk until he's ready. Yeah, if I was getting probed by Quinn's aide, I don't think I'd be very happy about it either. He suspects a conspiracy growing within Starfleet, and he had to test Picard's loyalty before offering to make him Commandant of the Academy. Picard is flattered, but wants to think it over. In the meantime, Wesley returns rejected. His success on the psych test gave him food for thought, but he came in a close second in the competition. After consoling Wesley and saving a dejected runaway Jake from a near-fatal shuttle crash, Picard decides to stay on board. And that's a pretty decent... Uh, that's, it's at least accurate this time. It's accurate. It's a, little, it's a little dry and leaves out some of the finery of the episode, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty... That's what we're here for. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, shit. We're here to dampen up this dry... Synopsis <laughs> by drooling over it. This was a solid, solid episode. And it's so funny that you say that because my first note here is like Wesley in the first scene. Scott's gonna love this. <laughs> written in sarcasm. Oh, one of my, my first notes is where the girl tells Wes- Wesley something about it's a good thing you're cute because you could be really obnoxious. And my note was he is really obnoxious. But you know what my note was? Slightly less so in this episode. What's that? I think you're cute. I cute. I cute. <laughs> he should have done. T- he should have flown like, like exactly. Rudolph. Done the little Rudolph run in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> For all you young pups who are listening, it's uh, from the bank Rankin Bass, Bankin Rass, Bankin Reds, the 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 Bacon Ass, fucking <laughs> Rudolph Christmas special reference that us old guys like to to quote. Do you think I'm cute? Every time I th- hear Rankin Bass, I think of like something my father would have said just before he smacked me on the behind. It sounds like it oh, sounds like Bas- you. <laughs> I, I always think of like Baskin Robbins, you know, like an <laughs> ice, like Robbins. a kind of ice cream. Yeah. I wonder but, what reindeer flavored ice cream would taste like. <laughs> chicken, <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> yeah, man, what a bunch of dicks Dr. Quinn, Medicine Admiral, and Mr. Remick are, man. They remind me of those two guys that ca- you know, the guy that came in and, and took over the warp drive in that one of just oh, like, God, you yes. know. Hi, hi, hey everybody, don't mind out while I piss all over your bridge. <laughs> just leaving my mark. Can I spoil something? Please do. It gives me great, great, great satisfaction knowing that in a couple more episodes, they're going to blow Remick's fucking head off. And that's not an exaggeration. Riker literally blows his head off. It's yes, it's cool. it's coming. Yeah, I like that. Well, that was my, my biggest note on that one is I love that this was the beginning of world building for next gen. Because one of the things, and I don't think it was done so much in next gen as it was really refined very well um in later seasons of say like ds9 um voyager and definitely the third season of um of um enterprise where you had the sort of soap opera running yeah yeah well the overarching story to where it it actually got to a point where if you missed an episode you were kind of screwed you know uh-huh. I like that, and this to me is kind of where that whole thing started, where seeds were laid. Well, it does it, it does it in a tricky way too, because it does it. You know, it it sort of hints that this could resolve further, but for all you know, it could end right there. You know, right. it could end right, right there with his refusal to. But it's not. It's it it it, it wasn't really. It was. I mean, we know that this leads into the the whole conspiracy story. Right. But uh. You know, at, at at this point in the story, we probably, you know, when originally I watched this, because I did watch this first season when it came out, I sloughed it off, I'm sure. I'm sure I was just like, right. well, that guy was a dick. Okay, he's gone, you know. Next next episode. So I love that. I love that they do that and just don't tell you about it, you know. They don't feel that they have to telegraph it or uh, or grandstand it. You know, I have been looking as we've gone through this, you know, just as kind of just a personal exercise for myself, trying to track the point. Because I I know that other people have done this. You know, there have been so many books and memoirs written about Star Trek The Next Generation, particularly the first season. You know, where was the where was the turning point? You know, where was the you know what episode could be traced to? Okay, here's where they turned it around or whatever. We'll have to see where things go from here because I still can't remember a lot of the episodes that are to come. But this might be it because it definitely it did two things, you know, other than the world building and, and laying the seeds for you know, a good episode that's coming along and all that. It, it did two big things for me that, you know, I was starting to doubt were ever going to happen at this point, which was it started to change my impression of Wesley Crusher. I actually liked Wesley in this story. I I liked him a lot. I liked, you know, the way he was written. I, I, you know, I never had a fault, as I think I've said before, with Will Wheaton. It's just the character he was playing. Right, right. It's what he was given to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So we're finally starting to see, you know, the, the character be refined to a point where I liked him in this uh, to a degree that I liked Will Wheaton when he played the the kid in Stand By Me because I liked his character in that. You know, I, I, I've never had a problem with Wheaton. It's always been Wesley. Um, so I liked that. And also, this was maybe the first time where I really looked at Picard differently, too. Because the scene where he comes to console Wesley, now granted that added a lot of fuel to the fire 
uh, of the speculation that he might be Wesley's father. But I liked that scene because for the first time, this crotchety, cold old bastard finally humanized just enough to try to make the kid feel better. You know, he yeah. really given Wesley a lot of shit up to this point. You know, well, his character's development. Yeah. He's losing that awkwardness. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> At least with Wesley, you know, he's maybe it's just because, you know, he's getting more exposure to Wesley and and starting to feel, you know, paternal feelings towards him. But, you know, if, if you caught this one late night on a rerun, you know, other than some obvious things like, you know, um, you know, the way Worf looked, Riker being smooth faced, things like that, it might be hard to realize that this is a first series uh, or excuse me, a first season episode just because the, the, the way that uh, Picard and uh, Wesley are, are done in this one owes more to how they will eventually, you know, become, you know, the, the portrayals we'll get of those characters, you know, Picard was not as rigid as earlier in the season because he, he does, while he never like softens to where he's a big cuddly bear or anything, he, he does become a little more of a, a just a human being, you know what I yeah. mean? And this yeah. was kind of the first, the first instance of that where, where he stepped back from the stolid captain and just kind of came down to Wesley's level to, to comfort the kid, you know, because well, he well, realized well, he was a kid. What's funny is every is usually it's Picard that's got the space stick up his ass, but it's like everybody else in this episode, right, has got it has got the uptight thing going on in this this one, and he's like, yeah, I mean he gets so relaxed he puts on his walking skirt at some point and, and takes a little stroll. <laughs> one thing that I did <laughs> notice in this one that. It wasn't like a huge nitpick or, or a sticking point or it didn't like ruin anything for me, but it definitely occurred to me this time around. Um, and maybe this is just, you know, the, the ex-military in me or what. But there's at least two instances in this episode where he goes to Quinn and says something to the effect of, you know, we're old friends, um, or I, I think in one instance he even tells Quinn, this has been a strain on our friendship. While I can see where they were going with that, it seems, it, it makes Picard seem just a little less professional because ultimately they are in something that's very akin to the military. There's a definite yeah. command structure here. And the fact that Quinn is his friend ultimately doesn't matter when he's his no. superior officer giving him orders. You exactly. Know? And Picard, uh, out of anybody, it would seem, would understand that and right. act accordingly. He always seems to be like, I'm going to be the professional, you know? Right. And also, we, we will see instances later where there are characters that fuck up. And Picard doesn't have a problem, you know, telling them, all right, you know, I'm disciplining you. you know, I, Worf comes to mind. I know that this yeah. happens at least one time with Worf where he tells him, You're my friend. I, I'm disappointed in you, you know? I know that you're better than this. We're friends, but, you know, this is going on your record. Or, you know, something to that effect. Yeah. So seems a little, just a little bit hypocritical. Well, but, I just, I, I, I thought it was a little disingenuous or not realistic how everybody was so offended. Because when you're in any kind of 
<coughs> pardon me, I got a frog in my throat. <coughs> Bureaucratic situation where you're dealing with any any level of bureaucracy. Sometimes there are inquests where people are are challenged or questioned, and it does seem like they're ask you know being accusing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they don't know what they're looking for, you know. So and 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 instantly, you know, Riker especially gets completely defensive. You know, right. everybody gets defensive about Picard. You know, how dare you call Picard into question? And you know, Riker to the point of <coughs> of saying, "I ain't gonna say anything until you get him in here too." And it's like, no, you know, no. If it, 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 I mean, if I. I I, I sort of understand their feelings, but I, I, I it doesn't seem like that's how they would react. They would have a little twinge of that, and you would see it in them. But, you know, I mean, he would he, they would say, okay, do you see any... The only one that acts, I think, really appropriately is Data. Data's just like, well, everything checks out. Look, here, see? Right. You know, I don't know. I don't see anything wrong. And that's why, I, that's what the rest... If the rest of them were, you know, I think would would just be like okay yeah i'll go along with your investigation you know where you know where he was trying to put words in their mouth by saying you know so you're saying he wasn't in control of the situation and jordy's doing the yes no i mean no yo it's it wasn't like that you know that sort of thing uh, no you know that you could easily go well no technically no he wasn't in control of the situation but that was an extreme circumstance where somebody had built a mind control thing for you know you could explain that situation and say that machine's been destroyed you know technically the Ferengi could do that to anybody so you know why single out Picard you know you could make that case instead of getting all shifty everybody was getting shifty you know what I mean they were acting they were acting like they were covering something up when in fact they were completely confident about their their captain's integrity, and I mean, and you know, by the end, of course, um, oh well, Mister Remick is like, you know, hey, I if if I ever was gonna be aboard a starship, I would want to be under this one and serve under you because it looks like you've actually got a good thing going here. Once it's determined, you know, that everybody on the ship is okay on the that, okay page that part i thought was a little bit cheesy that was yeah because up to that know, point will, they will you be my daddy right you know sequence yeah. from that point on <laughs> it was just like fuck off remick and then all of a sudden the whole the whole tone of the th- and even even to that point i mean even if remick knew that okay these people are going to hate me while i do this and and could be objective about it Still, all the hostility you got, would you be able to get past that and be like, you know, you guys are great. Will you be my friends? Right. You know, it just, it doesn't ring true. But as we'll find out, that sort of makes sense. <laughs> and and if you notice, Remick and, and Dr. Quinn, Medicine Admiral, are both a little funny <laughs> in this. They both act a little, there's some, a little stiff acting. What's her name? Oleana, Oleana Moran. She talks a little like one of Amidala's handmaidens in uh, <laughs> in uh, episode one, for sure. You're, she's yeah. got a little bit of that like Zoloft voice going on. But she's, she's got that she's hot cute, 80s spiral perm yes. going that, that's all the rage with, uh, with the Re- Wesley Crushers in us all. <laughs> so, yeah, Wesley, she's waiting for you next year. Now, how did you watch this episode? 
You have this on um, DVD? Or? Naked and painted blue and <laughs> whipped no, cream. No, 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 no. That's Why too do you much ask? No, 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 no. Well, I asked. I watched it on. I watched it on my computer, but I got a. I got Jesus. a big old Mac G5, which has a big old. You know, I have a bigger screen than most televisions. Ugh, so. I did not need that mental image. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, I asked because. Um, ooh, my head hurts now. <laughs> you know, the, the, I've noticed that uh, there are definitely drawbacks to seeing these things in higher definition, and. Uh, Man, there are some bad mat. There's a bad mat in this one. And then next time you watch this, folks, the hallway. You know, they yes, show that, that same note. hallway. In, it's in, just a It's just a painting. Yeah, it's it's one it's of those. It's not even matted in. I think it's hung there, you know. No, no, like no. A that, no, I was set. talking about there's, there's a mat that shows, like, the facility. And it's a bad mat. And you can see where there's holes poked in it. For the lights that light up, it's like a landing pad or something with blinking lights. But put, you know, pause your DVD or whatever and take a good hard look at that. It's a bad matte painting. But what I'm talking about is this it's really, really, really noticeable in the part where Wesley is going into the room for, you know, what right. turns out to be the actual psych test. That hallway just off to his left hand side isn't a hallway it's a painting it, it's like i'm it's saying like it's old... like a piece of stage set set it's a piece of scenery that it's like they dropped that painting there they didn't even green screen it in i don't think right that's i know that's what i'm saying it's it's like in the old uh roadrunner cartoons where yeah, the roadrunner exactly. would paint you know a, a tunnel on the side of a mountain to try exactly. to trick the, and that's exactly what it is it's it's a painting of an like an endless hallway but it's just a painting and maybe back in the '80s, you know, with our with our TVs the way they were, you could couldn't tell because I mean I certainly never noticed it till now. But holy shit, in in this higher DVD resolution, it it's plain as day that that's a painting, and it's actually kind of embarrassing when you when you when you can see it that plain and realize holy shit that's fake well, as hell. You now know? it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been downloading. <laughs> um, AVIs of these and they're medium quality AVIs you know for a, for a 48 minute show they they run about 200 megabytes oh okay so they're good but they're not high definition and right. this shit still show, show show you know they got sometimes they've got a little bit of the squared off you know imaging compression right the sort of stuff going on and uh, even still, that painting was just glaringly obvious, you know. Hmm. I mean, it's just one of my, I think it's, I wrote something like, nice painting suckers or something, you know, <laughs> something to that effect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, this one reminds me a lot of the cage. The grilling, um the whole grilling montage sequence where he's asking everybody questions and it's all from different dramatic angles. It's just like that sort of the cage without flashbacks thrown in. So I, I, I like that. I, it, 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 it was a little bit, you know, it adds a little, little echo to the, to the old, uh, show, but Jesus Christ, do they go to that much trouble to haze, Every 
everybody who goes into Starfleet? Do they single them out that much and like blow, you know, fake blow up part of the, you know, part of Starfleet Academy and stuff for every single goddamn student that goes in there? That's a <laughs> lot that's a lot of mind fuckery that you got to play that, you know. That means you got to have like five people to every student to to run the ruse all the different ruses and i'm sure there's different ruses you know like wesley's seem to be sort of you know tailored to him you know they 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 would you know the psych test was definitely something that they would tailor towards his psyche or what they're you know what they thought about his psyche or or whatever but uh jesus christ it's a it's it's an awful lot of work and mordock man he is, he is the first like nerdier character than Wesley. He's even <laughs> got his space inhaler, you know, at all times around his neck. I love that thing. I like that character. He's sort of a proto proto um, Mon Calamari. He's got a little Mon Cal. He they. He, Thank God he doesn't drool as much as Mon Calamari, you know. You'd think somebody would give Admiral Akbar a napkin or something and be just like, here, man. I don't want to say anything, but spraying all over everybody. We know it's a trap, but Jesus Christ, aim the other way. You're making us all smell like a fucking fish, fish market here. If I was friends with Admiral Akbar, the very first thing I would do is take him to Red Lobster just to freak him out. Oh, I oh I'd be I'd be I'd be like making like hot warm drawn butter on the stove when he came over. <laughs> what you got on the stove? Butter? <laughs> you ever I been keep... in a hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> and and here's a nice line. There are several discrepancies in the captain's log. <laughs> what did he forget to flush or something you know I mean you're going over this thing with a fine tooth comb but come on man <laughs> isn't that how they busted Michael Jackson with this discrepancies in the captain's log <laughs> didn't they identify as uh, discrepancies or something all in all though I like this episode I really did I walked away going hey that was actually a really good one I liked it for all the reasons I've liked them all so far. It's that science, sci science fiction. The Wesley Crusher story had echoes of like 50s Robert Heinlein stories of like, you know, people going to Space Academy and the Space Marines and stuff, you know, and, and getting hazed and getting, you know, the situation where the big guy was going to beat up on him and Wesley had to sort of, you know, yell at him back because he recognized the guy's, ra you know, race and had to, sh had to show some cojones. It reminded me of old, like, Heinlein pulp novels and stuff that were pulpy but, but intelligent at the same time with some thought behind them. And, yeah, and the main, and the, the story on the Enterprise... You know that this 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 was one where there was no like, except for the kid, you know, about to burn up in the atmosphere. But really, who gives a fuck about that kid besides his parents? Not us, anyway. But you know, there was no like big threat to the Enterprise or like timer running out or something like that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, the thing with the kid was that had was to be the, averted or anything yeah, like that. That was the token crisis of the episode. Yeah, and, and I, we didn't even really need it, although it did no, serve didn't. a dramatic purpose of showing that the Picard was a good improviser and, you know, take command sort of guy, I and guess. on the up and up and stuff. But you know, he handled it. He handled it very well in a sort of Kirk-like take command and. And, and make a gutsy move but you didn't need it and and that's what I liked it was all story it was just all story of ca- character development and you know dialogue driven you know it was it was basically all dialogue I mean Wesley had his little emergency situation test but by that point it was pretty obvious I remember even on the initial viewing of it that like whatever happened with Wesley was probably going to be a setup you know because they'd already established that the, that he was in a giant, you know, episode of Punked or Jackass or Space Jackass <laughs> or something like that. That scene with the kid, it was pretty stupid when you think about it. Because there's that one part, and this is one of the things that Picard does that makes me nuts. Is a crisis will pop up, and what does he say? Options. And he looks around the bridge. God damn it, man. You're the captain. You know the options. Know what to do. Don't ask these other people, what should I do? Because that's what it basically comes down to. Hey, Lieutenant Dingleberry, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, I think what he thinks. Right. You know, so anyway, one of the options that's thrown out by somebody (laughs) is tractor beam, which, hello, that should be the option, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like the logical... Right. I say we let him go. <laughs> so Riker, I think, is the one that says, out of range, sir. So they just go on to whatever the next thing is. They end up doing this stupid thing where Picard, you know, directs the kid to, all right, well, you know, get the thing what to- a well-oiled machine and how he depends on his people to, to instantly react and anticipate his thing. But it doesn't really right. work out that way. Can I, can I just remind the writers... Um, the fucking Enterprise right moves, okay? If you're out of, you know, tractor beam range, just, yeah, just move the goddamn ship, closer. okay? Just, yeah. just, just slide over a little bit, get a so that you're closer. in. Yeah, now <laughs> don't on. be shy. That was, I'm sorry, but that was a bad piece of dialogue. Tractor beam. Well, we're out of range, sir. <laughs> well, get in range, right? Asshole. Yeah, I wish. I wish that Picard had walked over and just cuffed him in the back of the head and said, well, get in range, damn it. <laughs> oh, that's what a lame-ass excuse. It's, oh, that, that sort of thing <laughs> makes me crazy. So instead, they're going to risk this poor kid's life. This goofy bouncing off the atmosphere <coughs> maneuver again, is actually going to work. Once again, man? I'm more concerned about, I'm, I was more concerned... <laughs> <clears throat> about them being down a shuttlecraft, to be honest with you. I would really That's have a nice loved... little shuttlecraft. I mean, I like this episode enough as it is, but I would have loved it if instead of skipping off the atmosphere that the shuttle had just impacted, you know, just... And, and, and he, did the, he did the, like, he did the, like, you know, like, Three Stooges, like, yee, sort of thing, like, whoops. Yeah. Uh, it goes, um, okay, conference. He calls everybody into the room. All right, we got to get our story straight on this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had it coming, the little bastard. He's thinking, damn it, it's the good shuttlecraft. Why do you have to take the good shuttlecraft? He could have taken the shitty one. Nobody would have. 
Nobody would have noticed. <laughs> I could put his old man to the night shift in engineering and nobody will ever even hear about this. Right, seriously, you guys, if I'm going down for this shit, you're going down for this shit. So we got to get our story straight. <laughs> nobody liked him, right? Right? He was a little whiner, right? I mean, come on, he had it coming, right? <laughs> All right. I would, I would, he, when he was like, I'm going down to the planet to join a trader, I would have been like, you better land that shuttlecraft. We better find that shuttlecraft in one piece, you little bastard. Or we're coming <laughs> after that freighter. God damn it. And why didn't they get his fa why didn't they get his father out to be like, Jeremy, Jeremy, you get your ass back here right now. <laughs> What are you doing? Well, didn't that kind of give you the impression that maybe his dad wasn't on the ship or something? Which begs the question, then why is this kid on the ship? I had to stop playing racquetball. I I was playing racquetball, <laughs> and the captain, I have... You have the captain calling me up to the bridge for this shit? <laughs> Get your ass back here. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, granted, this is the first time this has happened with somebody stealing the shuttle shuttlecraft, but it will happen about 4,000 more times. <laughs> so it would have been nice by the end of the series if they had come up with, like, you know, Space Lojack or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, through, uh, you know, like Space OnStar or something like that, you know. The, the, the Space, um, what do they call it that you put on your steering wheel? <laughs> the club. The club, the, the space, space club. club. <laughs> How much mileage are we going to get out of this space blank? A lot. <laughs> in Star Trek and Star Wars Monthly Monday, man. <laughs> I'm not if done yet. If you put space in front of anything, it's, and it's like funny. We have completely gotten away with making jokes with Adolf Hitler just because we put space in front of it. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> What's funny was we weren't the first ones to make Space Hitler jokes, apparently. After that, we found out that there were many other references to Space Hitler. So I guess the concept of Space Hitler is just sort of out there, just like the concept of Space Anything. I would totally space go Space Liberace. Movie. Space Liberace. Yeah. We've already had Space Liberace. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about that dude. All right. Do we are we uh, are we ready to go on to the next one or do we need a little? Well, I got, I uh, um. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a Kirk, yeah, more on this episode. A Kirk versus McCoy. Uh, Kirk versus Picard moment is uh, when Picard says to uh, to um, <laughs> Doctor Space Quinn, <laughs> Space Admiral, um, you know, either out of my way or I'll have you removed. Kirk would have just hauled off and hit him. He wouldn't even have said it. He would have just fucking decked him. <laughs> you know, it would have, it would that would have just been the end of that. But otherwise, no. That's I guess that's about all I I I got for that 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 episode. That was I guess the last of my notes. <laughs> Although you know, I'm still rooting for for Wesley to get some space booty in the future. He's. It's that perfect teenager thing, too, where, like, he could tell his friends, like, oh, yeah, I met this girl at the academy, you know. You wouldn't know her. She's got this hot spiral perm. Yeah. That little bastard hooks up with some mighty fine women over the 
he didn't he didn't even have to do anything she or his reputation preceded him and she's like i heard about you <laughs> and now i find out you're cute and he's just like all right you know i wonder if wesley crusher can go like to his quarters and use like the food you know you know the the thing that that makes their their the matter transmitter make him some space rubbers that he'll carry around in his space wallet for the next year in anticipation of you know he knows he's not going to see her till the academy next year but he's going to carry around in his space wallet anyway just in case they bump into each other by accident you know <laughs> just to be sure i can't wait till we get to the episode where he falls in love with somebody or other and she's damn cute i mean really cute and so he goes around consulting like all the studs on the enterprise you know he talks to Worf and he talks to to like riker about women and i can just see it cutting to the very next scene and it's he and Riker and Riker has recreated this like 70s porn theater in the in the holodeck and he's sitting there and you got a big old shit eating grin on his face you know with a giant bucket of popcorn and this horrified expression on Wesley's face I can I can see that plain as day I wish that had happened <laughs> yeah was Wesley with like a handful of like dollar bills and stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think I think we're ready to move on. Okay, here we go. That's the moving on music. Alright, so the next one we've got is Heart of Glory. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Come on, let's go! The crew rescues Klingon fugitives from a war-torn ship. Captain wants those two taken into custody. But these warriors have deadly motives. Join us. Now, a sinister plot puts Worf's loyalties to the test. He has a phaser aimed directly at the dilithium crystal chamber. Brother, we have a chance! On Star Trek The Next Generation aired the week of uh, March 21st, 1988. All right, this one. Responding to signs of a battle in the Romulan neutral zone, the Enterprise finds only a battered Talarian freighter and, thanks to LaForge's new visors visual feed, three Klingons, one near death. Their leader, Chorus, explains that the ship was attacked by Ferengi, and they were beamed away just before the ship exploded. But after their comrade dies and Picard assigns Worf as a guide, the two survivors proclaim their hatred for the United Federation of Planets Klingon Alliance. They want to reclaim what they call the true Klingon warrior spirit. They appeal to Worf to listen to his heart and give up his life with the humans. The Starfleet Klingon is torn by their words. Meanwhile, a Klingon Defense Force cruiser approaches and explains what really happened. The Klingons are rebels who hijacked the Tolarian freighter and destroyed a Klingon ship sent to pursue them. The two Klingons are detained, but they escape later with a homemade weapon. One is killed. Chorus, threatening to uh, destroy the warp intermix chamber in engineering, demands to be given the battle section and tries again to sway Worf, who tries to talk him out of sabotaging the ship. Chorus lunges, Worf fires, and it is over. The Klingon captain is impressed by Worf, but the lieutenant politely turns down his invitation to serve 
on the uh, Klingon Defense Force fleet, electing to remain aboard the Enterprise. Again, factually correct, but a, a, a little dry. dry. It's synopsis, yes. but uh, you know, sadly, I don't have a single note for this uh, for this episode. I found myself just completely sucked into it and and just sat and watched it and enjoyed it and and failed to ever take a single note. But uh, this is one of my favorite episodes even from the very first time i saw it i walked well this one very i mean what a beginning it starts out the uh, when it starts out it's pure star trek you know there's a battle right and it's it's you know it's it's you know it it, it starts out on red alert you know it's like a classic original series it's just like you know the shit's hitting the fan right and and shots are being fired in space. I love Star Trek episodes that start out like that. And this one really doesn't disappoint. It, it, it starts out good, and it continues that energy all the way through it. It's a very old-school energy. Even the music is very... I mean, I can't tell you how happy I was. I have it written in all capital letters here when um, you first see the Klingon ship... And you hear the music with all the, you know, clashing drums. And it's right. like, yes, Klingon music. Here they come. Dun, 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 dun. And that's just like Star Trek to me, you know. It's just like, here we go. It's a Klingon ship. And you know, it's not just floating there in space like in the next generation. It's coming at you and going, dun, 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 ching, 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 ching. <laughs> and it's coming to kick your ass. So I thought that was that was awesome. The the one little little wimpy blip in the in the radar is what what does instantly what what instantly happens after red alert, you know, Picard's like Do you think we should separate the saucer? Okay, let's wait, you know, but his first thought is separate the saucer, you know. Right. Which at, at least it's not like <laughs> You know, surrender, <laughs> which maybe you know, ten episodes ago it might it might have been, but uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. I love the little bit of character character moment. Well, it's more than a moment; it's a good sequence where they rig Jordy's you know uh, eyepiece up so they can watch it on the bridge. Which is just ridiculous, because you know, I mean, back in the original series, they had a magical camera that recorded everything wherever they went anyway. <laughs> right. So you'd think they'd all have them on their badges or whatever. I mean, the way they put... There's there's two cameras in the newest iPad. You'd think in, in the 23rd century that they'd be recording it all, but instantly it's like this big big deal that, that we can see through Geordi's eyes. But I love how Picard is so the the scientist it's like the scientist and the poet in him are being stimulated at the same time because he's seeing the technical magic of this is what Jordy sees but at the same time he's like I'm seeing the world through somebody else's eyes and at the same time I'm able to ask some questions so he is he's like what is that you know what is that which is stupid because it's obvious what everything is you know you can uh, what I love is you see, like, the sort of weird effect, you know, that they put on, the light effect that they put on it, which looks like a cheesy 
80s sort of uh, version of like infrared vision and he goes right. extraordinary and i'm like i don't know it looks pretty shitty to me right <laughs> so, <laughs> It looks pretty blurry and and fucked up to me, but you know. But uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really funny. And there was some point there also where I can't remember what context, but he asks Jordy something, and Jordy says hardly no, answers hardly none, which hardly none actually I think means some. actually it means a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was just a little old, but uh. Well, I agree with you about the music in this one. I, I really like it because it's it's Ron Jones doing his interpretation of Klingon music, which is very reminiscent of Jerry Goldsmith's. You know, he's the one that really created Klingon. Yeah. You know, the Klingon theme for Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yet, it's not that music at all. So it's it's original while sounding. You know, it's like it's like reminiscent of that music without yeah. being well, that music at all. It, but it, it, the thing about Klingon music is it's almost a Roman thing. It's the sound of right. like of sentries with like with like long spears like right. clashing them to the ground. You know, it's got that really heavy percussive, clashy, clangy. You just it's it's Klingon. It's Klingon all the way. And plus, the first time you hear it, it's in conjunction with the visual of a head-on bird of prey. You know, are, are those are those? I always get confused with those. Are those bird of preys? That's a battle Klingon, cruiser. That's actually used fu- footage from uh, the beginning in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. And they and they recycle that footage a lot. A lot. But uh, yeah, it's just like when I see that, it's just like oh, it pushes all the Star Trek buttons. And when you see that and hear that, that just yeah, it's a magic count. It's you know, it's like good ingredients in the soup. You know, it's like the right ingredients in the gumbo. And the sound in this one is is really good. You know, like at the end when they're squaring off in front of the dilithium crystal chamber, and. Uh, you hear the thrumming of of the engines of the ship, which add a nice heartbeat, you know, element of of um, you know suspense to the whole the whole proceedings, without it being too, you know, ridiculously over the top. I really like that. I think one of the best stunts ever in Star Trek is in this episode when uh, Worf shoots the Klingon captain and he falls and he actually goes through the first level, the one layer yeah, and all the way down when he hits the layer that doesn't give way. It's yeah. like, Holy shit. Well, I that's, mean, a yeah, real, like that's a real, that's a real, that's a real stunt man. Yeah. Just hitting a piece of plexiglass. That wasn't, you know, that there's no CGI. Right. Yeah. And there's pieces of glass under it and stuff. I'm yeah. sure it's safety glass and stuff, but yeah, he he goes down for the count, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a great great effect because it does. It, it looks like a like a dead body or you know a body, and you know, then it and then it's dead. You know what I mean? But it's just it, it's a slab of meat plunging several stories and smacking into a piece of you know plexiglass. Yeah. It's it's a great effect. It really and then it's completely real. Followed by something that's become very cliched, but wasn't at the time the the classic jump cut from down 
up into the air of someone going, no! Right, yeah. That's that. When I saw that, it's kind of funny now, but then I was watching it going, holy shit, 1988, man. That's uh, way, you know, that's like a, that's like a cliche from the 90s, you know, from like Nicolas Cage movies and stuff, you know. and Right, yeah. So, you know, the, the cliched, you know, screaming up towards the sky through a, through a rainstorm sort of thing. So that was kind of cool. That was very uh, nice little stylistic. It's a very stylized episode. It was like, um, you can tell there's some episodes that they really put a lot more time and effort into, and they were probably starting, well, you know, I mean, these weren't produced in the same order that they're aired, but, you know, now we're 20 episodes in. This is definitely later in the production so, yeah, we're starting to get a more cinematic feel sometimes with these the the last one was more of a TV episode. This one was had you know, some some cinematic the music was a little more involved and intricate to the goings on and and every and the lighting, you know, the lighting's very moody and very Klingon. It's got a very it, it really has a very Klingon feel to it. And at the same time, the Klingon characters are so well developed in, in here, where it would be so easy for them to just have maintained that initial mocking of Worf, where they're just like, "Ah, you're a wimpy little girly Konam Klingon," you know. And the same with the captain of the Klingon ship, but that they don't. They once uh, you know they once they start sniffing out Worf, they're like. Hey, this guy's got some backbone, you know. Right. And I like that. I like the show's development in the Klingons, you know. And uh the way that the Klingon commander of the ship deals with uh the Enterprise and the whole transaction is is not very hostile at all. As a matter of fact, you know, once Worf is involved in the whole deal, he becomes he becomes sort of sympathetic to, you know, what's going on there, you know? And you know, when they're like, he's escaped, and, and they're like, we'll take care of it, he's just like, okay, you know? He he doesn't sneer or anything like an old Klingon would be just like, he escaped, you know? Really? Well, I guess it's no, you know, an old Klingon would have been like, ah, you know, I'm not surprised he escaped your your puny security, you know? Uh, and so, so there's a bit of development with the Klingons while still maintaining their badassery and actually building upon it. You know, right? The whole Klingon, the whole Klingon death ritual is awesome. You know, that's a great addition to Star Trek lore. It starts here pretty much, and I imagine, I if I seem to recall, there's there's quite a few more. You know, screaming up at the sky. I was actually gonna say that I I, I like that a lot. I really like that addition to the lore. But actually, my memory is exactly the opposite. I don't remember other than when. Uh, and again, uh, this spoils ahead. So I when, when I he apolog- has a son or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just gonna say I apologize screaming. if this is too much spoiling ahead for people. But later on, when Kalar, his mate, gets killed. He does a Klingon scream that scares the shit out of their son. But other than that, I can't remember. I mean, maybe I'm just not remembering, but I, I you know, it, I don't remember other instances of, of anybody doing the. And I mean, a lot more friggin' Klingons get killed, you know? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, he, yeah. You know, the, I mean, all over the place. There's there's Klingon death. He may do it when um um when Jadzia dies. I can't remember. See, I've only I've only ever watched DS9. You know, most of the DS9 episodes one time. So you know that as as I get further and further away from when I finished watching that series it's all starting to get really blurry but uh you know he eventually marries uh you never watched any ds9 did you nope not a single episode did you ever watch uh becker that show becker with uh ted danson ted uh yeah ted danson did you ever I watch think that i might have seen it i might have caught an episode or two of that maybe i mean it was a it was pretty shit i faintly remember it. the woman yeah. that worked the diner that they used to all congregate in on that show she played she's really good looking and she played a character on ds9 uh jadzia dax and eventually her and uh and Worf she and Worf up. hook up but she gets killed and i want to say i think he does do the the screen so i mean i i think it's Which, usually Worf we see do it no no she was a trill well, she see, was, that's uh, the thing, though. The yell is just to warn people that a Klingon's coming. So yeah, but she she's was... like an honorary Klingon. T- I don't oh, know. There's a screwy that's thing. That's pretty I... badass to yeah. be an honorary Klingon. Man. Well, you know, she was his mate, for one, but also... Uh, Still, you that have whole thing badass. I was talking about last episode with... Uh, you know, with the original series Klingons that came back in next... in uh, Excuse me, in DS9... If I remember properly, the the common thread there was Jadzia. Somehow or other, they were all friends with her, and that's how Worf gets introduced to them because she's considered like a like a sister to them or some shit like right. that. I, I, it's hard for me to remember the whole deal now. There's some, but yeah, there's, yeah, there's some something going on of, there where she's yeah. basically accepted by them as a as a Klingon, even though she's not, a, you know, a Klingon. And eventually she and Worf marry and she gets killed. And I want to say that when Worf finds her, I think he does do the the scream. But, the scream. But it's inconsistent because, you know, like in uh, in um, Star Trek VI, you know, when, when the Klingon cruiser gets all shot up and there's some Klingon. Well, like the Chancellor dies and all those Klingons stand around and watch him die. Now, if I remember right, in the novelization, they actually do the scream. But it wasn't in the movie, and that, and that was mm-hmm. at a point where somebody should have caught that. You know, somebody should have. Well, it would have been it. a great dramatic scene in the movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just. A, I mean, why would you want to pass up ha- having the opportunity of having a whole bunch of Klingons going? Rah! Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can just totally see how that would look in a movie. But the Klingons are kind of dicks about their about pawning off the burial of their dead. You know, but there's two points in here where they're like, well, what do you want us to do with the body? And they're like, it is, but it shall dispose of it as you wish. I like that, actually. I, I like that. that, too, but dispose of your own goddamn body. <laughs> yeah, you pay, yeah, I know it's just a shell. Why don't you come pick it up? It's your shell, you know? Right. They're just like, you cl- the, the, the Klingons are just like, I don't give a shit. You clean it up, you know? It's the captain's mess. Let him clean it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, and they just they just pawn it off both times. It's just like, hey, you know, I mean, yeah. you th- They have that Klingon honor. You'd think they'd at least want to, you know, uh, take it back to the ship and feed it to your dog thing, you know? Come on. Something I just realized that I did not... I, I can't believe... I've watched this episode I don't know how many times because, uh, like I say, this really is one of my favorites of the entire series. 
I can't believe I never realized this before, but the Klingon, the, the captain, mm-hmm. the one that Worf has the standoff with at the end, he's played by uh, Vaughn Armstrong. This was his first role on Star Trek. Now, I don't know if you know who this guy is. No. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, he played more aliens than anybody. But here, here's there's a biography for him right here. This is uh, Vaughn Armstrong. Uh, is a veteran Star Trek actor who is noted for playing, th- uh, portraying rather, 13 separate characters in 28 episodes over four separate series. Armstrong is one of only five actors to play seven or more different characters in Star- the Star Trek franchise. His characters include a human, a mirror universe human, a Romulan, a Borg, a Vidian, a Cretacean, a Herogen, two Cardassians, and three Klingons. However, he nice. is probably best known for his recurring role as Admiral Maxwell Forrest in Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, he was Archer's superior officer. And uh, uh, what else? There was something else here. Oh, he was one of the many actors, including Jeffrey Coombs and William O. Campbell, who was, I think was the Rocketeer. Let me see. i got to click on that to make sure that. Sure as hell was. William O. Campbell was the Rocketeer. Uh he was one of the actors, including those two guys, who auditioned for the role of William T. Riker on oh. Next Gen. That's pretty cool. I can't see. I, I love, I mean, Vaughn Armstrong, he's a great actor. But I, I wonder, I can't help but wonder if maybe they didn't go with him because he looks just enough like Picard that I could see that being really awkward. You know, because yeah. he's, he's an older guy. He's got he's not quite bald, but he, he's got one of those like astronaut haircuts where it's cl- shaved so close in that he might as well be bald, you know? Yeah. So yeah, Buzz Aldrin buzz. Yeah, yeah, he does totally look like Buzz Aldrin. Yes, he does. Totally does. But uh that's that's actually really cool. I can't believe I never I guess that's a tribute to the makeup that I never realized that before. But uh, I wish I had taken better notes or actually taken any notes on this episode. But I just I really, really like this one. Well, and, you know what uh, I love about this? What's that? What an awesome phaser fight. What a, it's one oh, of the best yeah. phaser fights in a Star Trek TV show up to this point, including the old school. I mean, I, lo- I love how when someone gets shot in a phaser in this and you know it's fatal... Because you see that their whole midsection glows, you know, right, right to yeah. the back, you know, and that looks really this. It's a it's a short, violent, and fatal phaser fight, you know. It's it's brutal. Well, when they gun down the one Klingon, doesn't he takes like two or three shots, doesn't he? He takes at least three shots. Yeah. I think he takes like four to finish him off. You yeah, know? yeah, I like that. Like turtle shells. Yeah, I like that. Um... Oh, shoot, I just completely forgot what I was going to say. I think they might have had their phasers, you know, notched back a little bit to not fatal. Yeah, when that they could should be. have probably had them <laughs> on kill. But, you know, one of the things I really like about this one is, uh, well, you know, of course, it, it's a Wharf episode. But a lot of times, you know, you'll get yeah. that, that episode that focuses on a crew member and it's like, meh, you know. But in this case... You know, I you know we'd been kind of waiting for this. You know, okay, you know, right from the from the pilot episode. Ooh, there's a Klingon on board, and you know we had to wait. What is this? Twenty something episodes into it. Twenty, I, I guess. According this to this, is twenty. Is 20. Episodes, yeah. yeah. 
So, you know, you had to wait 20 episodes to kind of get the skinny on who is this Klingon dude? You know, what's his deal? And this is where we finally get it. And there, there's a little bit of his story that, that you know, has fallen under some scrutiny over the years because um, one of, another one of my very favorite episodes, possibly if I had to pick my very favorite episode of, of Next Gen, it might possibly be the episode called Family. It's just a solid, solid episode. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but one of, it, 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 there's many plots going in, on in one episode, and one of the plots going on it is Worf's parents come on the ship, and it's his human, his adopted parents. And, I remember that episode. Yeah, I saw that one. It's great. But there's some inconsistencies between the story that... that he tells in this and then when we actually meet these people which the the main part of it lies with you know in this wharf tells that you know he was found by the star you know the starfleet officer he took him home he raised him and they lived on uh, the farming colony on galt whereas when we finally meet his parents you know they're clearly humans that lived on earth and there's even references later on to the fact that you know wharf grew up on earth and and helsinki and all that but, you know, all that aside, I, I still like that we finally got something about Worf and, and owing into his whole thing. And I like, you know, where this was where we, you know, there's so much in this episode that that got built upon later. You know, the Worf's feeling of, you know, the whole fish out of water thing. You know, he's yeah, Klingon. Between worlds. two worlds. Yeah, the two worlds thing, definitely. Because... You know, I've heard it said so many times that that Data was the Spock of Next Gen, but I have always thought Worf was the Spock of Next Gen because, mm, granted, yeah, he's half, not a half breed or anything, but you know, he he's but he's half half. It, it, it's he's got a foot in both. Ver, yeah, nature and nurture at odds. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, because you meet his parents and they're so very human. You know. And and he, you can see that he loves them and he wants to please them and doesn't want to be an embarrassment or anything. But at the same rate, you know, in in his heart, he longs to be the quintessential Klingon warrior. You know, and I liked that. And that's one of the reasons that that character really, um, I think, endures. But also why he was endearing to me. I liked Worf, and I have no problem with, you know, Worf. Uh, to, I'm pretty sure still holds the distinction as the the main longest running yeah, character yeah, in exactly. all of Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I mean, I think he's you know definitely deserving of that because you know when he came onto DS9, he took a show that frankly I could give a rat's. Well, ass. he really owns the character. That that actor really yeah. you know he Michael Dorn really com- commits to. He's like. Oh, absolutely! I'm a, I'm a Star Trek character, you know, and he really lives in the lives the part out, you know. And God damn, for the amount of makeup that you have to wear to be Worf, you know, that's commitment. I don't know if it's really true, but I read something recently—a uh, a rumor or, or you know, one of those internet things that goes around—that he's actually permanently, um, I don't know, disfigured. It is the right word, just discolored, I guess. Uh-huh. Because of that makeup he wore for what that equates to something like what like fifteen years or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was on what? Let's see, he was on seven years of Next Gen, and yeah, it's a chemical broth on your face every day. Seven, so that's uh, five. Yeah, like like twelve years, I guess. So yeah, 
It was like yeah, it was like a chemical adhesive that I guess has has done some actual damage to to his skin, to his face. So Jesus, just like the Tin Man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I do like that, and I like that. Uh, you know, all these threads were were picked up later. You know, because we do meet Worf's parents, and we also really, really, really late in the series. The uh, the brother that he referred to, you know, the 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 half brother, you know, his human brother, right. that he went into Starfleet with, we will meet yeah. way down the road too. He was played by Paul Sorvino of all people. Who oh, I, that's funny. Yeah, I like Paul Sorvino a lot, but it's really cool to see those two share the screen as brothers. You know, I mean, you couldn't mm-hmm. get two people that are more diverse. You know, it's, it's like it's like, it's like Schwarzenegger and Devito. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But uh trying to think of anything else. I guess I can't really think of anything else on this one other than uh, you know anybody who hasn't seen it or has a low opinion of it hasn't seen it in a while whatever dig it out and watch it again because damn this is a good one it's, it moves it moves right along well, Wardy, yeah. uh, uh, what did I say Wardy Jordy rather plays uh, again one of my favorite uh, roles that Jordy plays is, is the everyman you know I've always liked you know the fact that of all the characters, he's the one that kind of speaks more like just your everyday Joe than any yeah. of the characters. And I love the part where they're trying to hightail their asses out of the ship. And he's the one that just kind of states the obvious. Commander, this ship is blowing and it's great. You know, they're all running away and it's, you know, it's the classic action movie. You know, shit's blowing up behind you as you get away. from. I, but it's just a great scene. It's, it's, you know, filmed and choreographed just really beautifully. Uh, I like that sequence a lot. But that's um, one. one th- there was another. I've got one little nitpick before we we, we, <laughs> we let it go. When, um, okay, when they finally corner the two Klingons and they have the potential hostage situation with the little girl, mm-hmm. and the Klingon hands the little girl over to Worf, and and they're like, "It's okay, it's over, we got him," right? And they and the and the Klingons march off to detention. At this point, the Klingons know that their tickets being punched. Right, that it's caught up with them, and they're gonna end up dying in some horrible Klingon way. Now, you got Tasha and Worf there. She's head of security, and he's probably the besides Data. The only other person on the ship physically equipped, capable of fighting a Klingon, and they send the Klingons off with what is it like four just security red shirts, and they right. like, take up take them to their quarters. And when I looked at that, the Klingons still had you know they obviously still had weapons like you know strapped to their sides like bikers and right. you know you'd think they would have been put through some scan and go I don't know they've got like all the all the all the components to a, a phaser, but <laughs> they're the sort fixings, of spread yeah. out between the between <laughs> the two of them. You'd think they'd have that sort of technology for someone they're putting in the brig, and that Worf and Tasha would have sort of tagged along to make sure, since they did just break out and look like they wanted to t- sort of take over the ship, that um, you know, maybe they would want to accompany the boat. The two of them would want to accompany the the red shirts also in case there was any you know hanky panky between here and there because those Klingons have nothing <laughs> to lose at that point. Right. So I thought that was a little hinky 
to get back to the use of the word hinky this month. <laughs> you just reminded me of a nitpick I had with that scene. Oh, when, when, when they're escorted away by security, you know, you've got all these, you know, they get marched away by, as you say, there's like four or six of these guys that are like seven foot tall and built like fucking linebackers. But when yeah. they actually put them in, you know, confine them to quarters, they all walk away and they leave, you know, Lieutenant Nebish watching mm-hmm. the door. This guy, this guy's like fucking five three. L- Lieutenant Woody Allen. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, come on, you know, Hi guys. So they, they walk what out in the like. hallway and just phaser him down, you know, <laughs> with no problem whatsoever. I mean, where were these giant guys? You know, that were there five minutes ago. It's, I love that part. They're though. playing pool down in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you see those Klingons? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> put the, you break. Yeah, put the shrimp on, on duty. I'm I'm going down to the mess hall. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, when you take notice of stuff like that, it's really funny. Because he is. He's literally the smallest member of the team by like at least a foot you know shorter than everybody else and yeah, he's really a descendant of wilson from the original series <laughs> i mean but they're huge you know i mean really big you know it reminds me i don't know if you've seen that commercial for uh for the guy that goes to try to get a car loan and he's got the 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 credit ratings are with him and they're portrayed by like human beings so there's like Two guys that are like 700 and something, and they're these big, you know, burly, brawny guys. And then there's one that's like the bad credit score rating that's like this short little pot-bellied guy. It's, it's kind of like that. I don't know if you have any idea what the hell I'm talking about. I have about. no idea what you're babbling about, but yeah, it, it touches my heart. <laughs> really. Whatever. No, I yeah, I get it. I, I I would love to see someone do one of those little video things where they superimpose like Woody Allen and they're like you know <laughs> fumbling around with his phaser and so, something you know Shoots doing himself. Yeah, <laughs> phasers himself <laughs> in the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so next time, it's a little it's a little hinky next time, isn't it? It and, is. And what's going on? Because you know, so badly, I want to do the episodes in the exact order that they're in this book, but we we really can't. But next time we have the Arsenal of Freedom, which I remember to be a really solid episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one again. That one is going to be fun when we come to the nitpicks department because I already have a nitpick for that episode. Jesus Christ. It's a good one. I haven't even watched it yet. It's one that I know that we have discussed in the past with with at least one of our guests, so it'll be fun when we get to that. The other one, I so badly want to be Skin of Evil, which is uh, the next one in production order, but we're going to instead do symbiosis which i have to admit i don't remember a lot about i just remember that it sucked anyway but you know how that sometimes works out how that often has been working out though that one i don't know if it's just our sunshiny personalities lately or or if it's just the the universe is in alignment but a lot of ones that that we have bad attitudes towards have turned out sometimes to be better 
I'm just trying to be optimistic. Well, that one will be a lot of fun because uh, I don't know if you've seen it before or not, but that one has two big connections to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So oh, really? If nothing else, it'll be fun for, uh, for that little crossover. But, uh, you know, I was just noticing that after next month, then we have Skin of Evil, We'll Always Have Paris, Conspiracy, yeah. and The Neutral Zone. And that's it. We will be that, done. We'll be, we'll be warping one. away from season yep. one. And I'll tell you what. Riker will be growing his beard. At least, at least five out of those six episodes. Uh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me, let me recount here. We've got, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. At least four out of those six episodes, I recall as being truly solid episodes. And maybe the other two will, uh, maybe they'll pleasantly surprise us. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, can't wait for some skin of evil is going to be awesome. One of my favorites. And, and before uh, we go, mm-hmm. now this is for like, pe- these are for people who are listening to our podcast fresh off the internet. Like when it first comes out, and for a little while, this will be good for a little while. You'll have to check to see what number we're up to. But I just want to put a pitch out. Scott came out with this great idea last night. I don't know. Well, he, he told it to me last night. I don't know when he came. <laughs> I don't know if he was, like, sitting on the shitter and it just popped into his head or, <laughs> you know, or what was going on. I I don't know. I don't care. But anyway, um, we're, we are climbing up onto the 200th episode of two true freaks and for once we actually even know what we're gonna do we have on our forum a a a thread called grill the freaks where you can come and ask us a question or ask us our opinion on something you know generally ask us a, a question and we will address them all on that show there's already just a slew of great great talking points on there but we are going to have a special intro uh listener contribution listener made intro where you take the iconic two true freaks theme the one you've all grown used to not the the specific ones like the, the like the one you hear for this episode or go go ahead Star and play Wars. it right now so they know exactly which one we're talking about yes use use this as your template i find their illogic and foolish emotions constant irritant then transfer out freak Along the circus, right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now... Together by live simulation via the internet. Scott Gardner. He's an asshole. And Chris Honeywell. Boy, is he great. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. 
Okay, there. So, see, you know what one we're talking about now. Now, any element of that that you like, or all elements of it, or whatever you want to do, you can take out your favorite parts of that, you know, and uh, any any little line of dialogue and record it and send it to as an attachment, you know, to uh, two true freaks at gmail.com. And we will cut and paste together a, a brand spanking new version of the old Two True Freaks theme with you guys in there instead of Rowdy Roddy Piper and Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase. And, and, and the whole crew. There, there will be you guys. And uh, we'll cut it all together and, and uh, that should be really fun. So it's of course depend. Don't make us do it all because you know, you know what that leads to. <laughs> you guys, you guys got to be proactive or things get out of control. And yeah, come come to our forum if you haven't come to our forum. There's been a lot more people showing up and it's it's a lot of fun. It's if anything, it's lively. <laughs> Did you know? You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available... Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.